0: The gospel is that Jesus Christ, God in flesh, lived a perfectly holy and righteous life in obedience to God the Father, in our place, suffered and died, taking the penalty for sin that we deserved, and was buried in a rich man's tomb, being really dead, and rose again from the dead, conquering sin and death according to the scriptures. All this accomplished for us and for our salvation. It is a joyful proclamation that Christ has satisfied for all our sin and we stand in right relationship to the triune God as revealed by the Holy Spirit through Holy Scripture. All right, this is Larry Wessels with Christian Answers and promised this short presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ according to the Bible. One of our YouTube fans As you can see here, a YouTuber called Blah Talk said this, Thanks so much for this. And he was referring to our video, as you can see a little bit below his comment, our video called Permission Granted to Use and Reproduce Our C Answers TV Videos Using Any Format You Want, DVD, Copies, etc. Anyway, he says, Thanks so much for this. Can you all point me to one of your videos in which the gospel is presented? It would be great if you had one very direct video, as short as possible video, that presented only the gospel, clearly. I'd just like to be able to link that one video and share it on social media and whatnot. I've often shared links to your vids on Twitter, but dealing with cults and people in false religions, it would be great to have a very straightforward video for just the gospel message. I, in turn, gave him a return comment to that, as you can see here. You're most welcome. Due to the nature of how we started to do Christian videos from 1985 through 2007, we were mainly doing videos that were either 30 minutes long, one hour long, or one and a half hours long because we were on local cable access television during all that time in Austin, Texas, which requires specific time limits. Thus, our older videos tend to be longer while many of our newer videos are even longer because YouTube allows us to do so. This means we really don't have a very short video on just a straight gospel presentation available right now. However, we are now planning to do one just because of your request. When we get it produced and uploaded for public viewing on YouTube, we'll let you know Thank you and may the Lord bless you. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 2-5 through five says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to miss. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, End quote. And then Blah Talk of YouTube said, Wow, I look forward to that video. Thank you so much for making all this information available on your channel. You all invested so much time and energy into getting the truth out there and refuting the false doctrines and lies that the false religions teach. I really appreciate that. God bless you. Now, of course, we already presented a very short version, as our viewers of this video have just seen. I'm just too thorough and analytical, so I'm going to expand on that. But at least already in this presentation, people have seen the very short presentation of the gospel, which we started this video with. But now I'm going to expand on what is the gospel. The word gospel literally means good news and occurs 93 times in the Bible, exclusively in the New Testament. In Greek, it is the word eugallion, from which we get our English word evangelist, evangel, and evangelical. The gospel is broadly speaking the whole of scripture. More narrowly, the gospel is the good news concerning Christ and the way of salvation. The key to understanding the gospel is to know why it's good news. To do that, we must start with the bad news. The Old Testament law was given to Israel during the time of Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1. The law can be thought of as a measuring stick, and sin is anything that falls short of perfect according to that standard. The righteous requirement of the law is so stringent that no human being can possibly follow it perfectly. In letter or in spirit, despite our goodness or badness relative to each other, we are all in the same spiritual boat. We have sinned, and the punishment for sin is death, i.e. separation from God, the source of life. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. In order for us to go to heaven, God's dwelling place and the realm of life and light, Sin must be somehow removed or paid for. The law established the fact that cleansing from sin can only happen through the bloody sacrifice of an innocent life. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. The gospel involves Jesus' death on the cross as the sin offering to fulfill the law's righteous requirement. Romans chapter 8 verses 3 through 4. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 5 through 10. Under the law, animal sacrifices were offered year after year as a reminder of sin and a symbol of the coming sacrifice of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 3 through 4 When Christ offered himself at Calvary, that symbol became a reality for all who would believe. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 11 through 18 The work of atonement is finished now, and that's good news. The gospel also involves Jesus' resurrection on the third day. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Romans chapter 4 verse 25. The fact that Jesus conquered sin and death, death's penalty, is good news indeed. The fact that he offers to share that victory with us is the greatest news of all. John chapter 14 verse 19. The elements of the gospel are clearly stated in first Corinthians chapter 15 verses three through six, a key passage concerning the good news of God. Quote, for what I have received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, quote. Notice first that Paul received the gospel and then passed it on. This is a divine message, not a man-made invention. Second, the gospel is of first importance. Everywhere the apostles went, they preached the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, Third, the message of the gospel is accompanied by proofs. Christ died for our sins, proved by his burial. And he rose again the third day, proved by the eyewitnesses. Fourth, all this was done according to the scriptures. The theme of the whole Bible is the salvation of mankind through Christ. The Bible is the gospel. Quote, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, end quote. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. The gospel is a bold message, and we are not ashamed of proclaiming it. It is a powerful message because it is God's good news. It is a saving message, the only thing that can truly reform the human heart. It is a universal message for Jews and Gentiles both, and the gospel is received by faith. Salvation is the gift of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. The gospel is the good news that God loves the world enough to give his only son to die for our sin. John chapter 3 verse 16. The gospel is good news because our salvation and eternal life and home in heaven are guaranteed through Christ, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Quote, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, end quote, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. The gospel is good news when we understand that we do not and cannot earn our salvation. The work of redemption and justification is complete. Having been finished on the cross, John chapter 19 verse 30. Jesus is the propitiation of our sins, 1 John two. 2. The gospel is the good news that we who were once enemies of God have been reconciled by the blood of Christ and adopted into the family of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 10, John 1 verse 12, quote, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1, the gospel is the good news that, quote, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. End quote. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, to reject the gospel is to embrace the bad news. Condemnation before God is the result of a lack of faith in the Son of God, God's only provision for salvation. Quote, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whosoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. John chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. God has given a doomed world good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Distortions of the gospel are fatal to your soul. There is no greater message to be heard than that which we call the gospel. But as important as that is, it is often given to massive distortions or oversimplifications. People think they're preaching the gospel to you when they tell you, quote, you can have a purpose to your life, end quote, or that, quote, you can have meaning to your life, end quote, or that, quote, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, end quote. All those things are true, and they're all important, but they don't get to the heart of the gospel. The gospel is called the good news because it addresses the most serious problem that you and I have as human beings. And that problem is simply this. God is holy, and he is just, and I'm not. The end of my life, I'm going to stand before a just and holy God, and I'll be judged. And I'll be judged either on the basis of my own righteousness, or lack of it, or the righteousness of another. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus lived a life of perfect righteousness, of perfect obedience to God, not for his own well-being, but for his people. He has done for me what I couldn't possibly do for myself. But not only has he lived that life of perfect obedience, he offered himself as a perfect sacrifice to satisfy the justice and the righteousness of God. The great misconception of our day is this, that God isn't concerned to protect his own integrity. He's a kind of wishy-washy deity who just waves a hand of forgiveness over everybody. No, for God to forgive you is a very costly matter. It costs the sacrifice of his own son. So valuable was that sacrifice that God pronounced it valuable by raising him from the dead so that Christ died for us. He was raised for our justification. So the gospel is something objective. It is the message of who Jesus is and what he did. And it also has a subjective dimension. How are the benefits of Jesus subjectively appropriated to us? How do I get it? The Bible makes it clear that we are justified not by our works, not by our efforts, not by our deeds, but by faith and by faith alone. The only way you can receive the benefit of Christ's life and death is by putting your trust in Him and in Him alone. You do that, you're declared just by God. You're adopted into His family. You're forgiven of all your sins, and you have begun your pilgrimage for eternity. The gospel is the most important communication to man from God. The gospel is the singularly most important communication of God to man. In Jesus, who is God the Son, we have the revelation of God's love and sacrifice that saves us from God's righteous judgment upon sinners. If you are not a Christian and want to know how to be forgiven of your sins and follow Christ, or are just curious to know what the Christian gospel is, then this is for you. The Bible tells us what the gospel is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4. through 4. Quote, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures." End quote. The Bible says that we are all sinners, Romans three twenty three. This means that we have all offended God. We have broken his law. Therefore we are guilty of having sinned. Because of this, we are separated from God. Isaiah chapter fifty nine verse two are dead in our sins. Romans chapter six verse twenty three. Ephesians chapter two verse three. We cannot please God. Romans chapter three verses ten through eleven and will suffer damnation 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 the only way to escape this judgment is by receiving Christ by trusting in what Christ did on the cross that's John chapter 14 verse 6 Acts chapter 4 verse 12 and 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24 Since we are sinners, we are incapable of removing the guilt of our sinfulness through our own efforts. Galatians chapter 2 verse 21 says, If righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. The law is the do's and don'ts of moral behavior. In other words, we can't become righteous by what we do. Why? Because we are dead in our sins. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3. This means that since we cannot remove our own sins, God must do it. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, John chapter 1 verse 1, John 1 14, John chapter 8 verse 58, Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, bore our sins in his body on the cross, First Peter chapter 2 verse 24. He died in our place. He paid the penalty of breaking the law of God that should have fallen upon us. He satisfied the law of God the Father by dying on the cross. It is only through Jesus that we can escape the penalty that God will execute upon all who have broken his holy and perfect law. Do you want to be saved through the righteous judgment of God? If so, you want to become a Christian and follow God, then you must realize that you have sinned against God and you are under his judgment. You must look to Jesus who died on the cross, and trust what he did in order for you to be forgiven of all your sentence and be saved from the judgment of God. This is accomplished by faith alone in what Jesus has done. You cannot add any human works to what Jesus has done. Count the cost. Jesus said, quote, For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has done enough to complete it, end quote. That's Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Jesus tells us to count the cost. The cost of becoming a Christian can be quite high sometimes. In some parts of the world, it may cost you your life. Here in America, it is not nearly as dangerous. Nevertheless, if you become a Christian, God will take it very seriously. He will work in your heart and in your life to change you and make you more like Him. Sometimes this is an easy journey, and other times it can be difficult. But this is what it means to become a Christian, to have God work in your life and to continue to work in your life after you have been saved. That's called sanctification. Beware of false gospels. A few examples: the Bible, the correct interpretation of the gospel, says the gospel is the good news that Jesus fulfilled the law. Never sin. That's First Peter chapter two verse twenty-two, and that He died for our sins. First Peter chapter three verse eighteen, canceled out the certificate of debt. Colossians chapter two verse fourteen, through His death, burial, and resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. And that by faith we receive what Christ has done on our behalf. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. So that we may rest in Christ. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And not try to achieve or maintain our salvation by our works. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Examples of false gospels. The first one coming from the Christian science religion. Christian science says, The gospel is the demonstration of divine power. It is the good news as it is revealed in Christian science that includes right thinking and healing. It is not the shed blood of Christ on the cross. Christian science says, Thus losing the divine power which heals the sick and sinning. They were to be brought back through great tribulation to be renamed in the Christian science and led to deny material sense or mind and matter, even as the gospel teaches, End quote. That's coming from Mary Baker's book, Science and Healing, page 309. The false gospel as presented by Islam. Islam says, there is no good news message in Islam. Salvation consists of doing good and hoping that Allah will grant the Muslim salvation. It is works righteousness. Quote, Then when the trumpet is blown, there will be no more relationships between them that day, nor will one ask after another. Then those whose balance of good deeds is heavy, they will attain salvation. But those whose balance is light will be those who have lost their souls. In hell they will abide. That's from the Quran. Surah 23, 101-103. through 103. The false gospel of the Jehovah's Witnesses. The gospel that leads to forgiveness of sins consists of, quote, taking in knowledge of God, obeying God's laws, being associated with God's organization. They're talking about the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. And being, quote, loyally advocating his kingdom rule to others, end quote. That's coming from the Watchtower magazine, February 15th, 1983, page 12. The false gospel coming from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church, says this, The Mormon gospel consists of laws and ordinances. Quote, Ordinances are basic to the gospel. Now, what is the gospel of which we speak? It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the code of laws and commandments which help us to become perfect and the ordinances which constitute the entrance requirements, end quote. That's coming from the Mormon book, The Teachings of Spencer W. Kimball, page 502, the 12th president of the Mormon Church. Quote All these sins are the result of individual acts. It is just that forgiveness for them should be conditioned on individual compliance with prescribed requirements, end quote. Obedience to the laws and ordinance of the gospel, end quote. Articles of Faith, page 79. That's another Mormon book. Quote, those who reject the gospel but who live honorable lives shall also be heirs of salvation, but not in the celestial kingdom. The Lord has prepared a place for them in the terrestrial kingdom. End quote. Joseph Fielding Smith, Doctrines of Salvation, chapter 2, verses one twenty-two through 134, that's another Mormon book. Okay, the Roman Catholic Gospel. Roman Catholicism says, the Gospel is strictly defined as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but Catholicism adds works to it. Therefore, it is earned. Also, the Gospel is tied to the authority of the Roman Catholic Church, and people may be saved without the gospel. Quote, In every circumstance, each one of us should hope, with the grace of God, to persevere to the end and to obtain the joy of heaven as God's eternal reward for the good works accomplished with the grace of Christ. End quote. Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1821. Quote, so that all men may attain salvation through faith, baptism, and the observance of the commandments. End quote. That's coming from, of course, again, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2068. Quote, but I would not believe in the gospel had not the authority of the Catholic Church already moved me, end quote. That's also from the same source, CCC 119. Quote, those who through no fault of their own do not know the gospel of Christ or his church but who nevertheless seek God with a sincere heart and moved by grace, trying their own actions to do his will as they know it through the dictates of their conscience. Those too may achieve eternal salvation, end quote. And the same source again, CCC 847. Finally here, quote, The liturgical feast dedicated to the mother of God and Mary in prayer, such as the rosary, An epitome of the whole gospel, end quote, expressed this devotion to the Virgin Mary. Once again, coming from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, 971. So, devotion to Mary is an epitome of the whole gospel. Of course, there's a dire consequence to using a false gospel. That's not what the Bible teaches. And we find it here in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. You're to have no other gospel. It has to conform to what the Bible teaches or you're out. You're you're on your way to hellfire. But anyway, here's what Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 9 says. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Do you see that? The consequences of having another gospel or believing another gospel is eternal damnation don't forget that eternal consequences i thought it'd be interesting because when we were doing our 16-hour video series on roman catholicism using that chart almost 25 years ago Mm. uh, a, a young lady in outside of paris france was watching us in that series uh on the internet and she was convicted by the lord with this chart uh She saw the first part of it, and she mentions this in her testimony. In fact, the people at home can see on the screen. If you're interested in seeing her testimony concerning how she came to the Lord out of Roman Catholicism due to our 16-hour video series, Mm. uh, they can see that. Uh, You see it there uh, uh, on on your screen right now. But uh, anyway, because this chart deals with uh, Galatian Judaizers. Right. And Roman Catholicism is a form of that, but in a, in, in a different way. Yes, it is. The uh, Hebrew Roots Movement is another almost classic example, which we'll get into. But I thought it'd be fun just uh, to, to bring you and this old chart back together again after 25 years and uh, to get the viewing audience to learn something as we, we go about this. Okay, uh, This is important to set the course for talking about the Hebrew roots movement and why this is important to to discuss. We have something here called the divine curse, and it's in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Now, as people are looking at this on the screen, uh, Rob, not only, uh, in fact, you're a better reader than I am, why don't you read this chart and also give us the import of why Galatians was written as they're looking at this
1: chart? Well, Paul wrote Galatians, as most of you already know, because there were those within the community of believers who were disturbing these uh, Galatian Christians who had heard the gospel of the grace of God, who understood that salvation was by faith alone and the finished book of Christ alone. But soon others came in and they began introducing different add-ons or additional kinds of things that Uh, they were teaching that the Christians at Galatia needed to do Mm -hmm. to ensure their salvation or to arrive at a more perfect understanding of salvation or to uh, make certain that uh, they had uh, a a direct and good communication with uh, spiritual things. And of course... Uh, most of them were Judaizers, some of them were, were Gnostic, some of them were a combination of Gnostic Judaizers. But the, the whole idea behind it is that at the end of the day, they, they started to formulate an entirely different kind of gospel. They moved away from the simplicity of the grace of God and the simplicity of faith alone and the finished work of Christ alone. And they began introducing these ideas and making them mandatory. Or at least uh, introducing them as a means for greater spirituality, and and this they they were enchanting, they were encouraging, they were uh, they were winsome, and uh, I remember reading a footnote from uh, Luther's commentary on Galatians, wherein mm-hmm. Luther himself commented that they must have been very good at what they did to uproot mm-hmm. what the apostle Paul had rooted. Mm-hmm. So the apostle Paul felt it incumbent uh, to write a letter to this uh, particular group of people telling them that if they begin to depart from the gospel that he had delivered to them Mm -hmm. to embrace a different gospel, which was no gospel at all, Mm -hmm. then uh, the curse of God is upon them. They would be anathema. And, of course, this goes back to the whole idea that when the Apostle Paul writes these letters, he's writing them to those he presupposes as having heard the gospel, having believed the gospel, and having settled it with God through Christ. Mm-hmm. But uh, the tone of his letters and the uh, the uh, various words that he uses within his letters give us an understanding that uh, there is the possibility that there were those within the community who truly were not born from above. They had not truly been regenerated under Christ. And And therefore, they were uh, in very, very severe danger of following after Mm -hmm. uh, these uh, heretical teachings that were being introduced. So, Paul writes his letters to those who profess faith in Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He gives them every benefit of the doubt that they are, in fact, Christians. But he's concerned that they had embraced Christ for any number of reasons, but now they were being taken away from the simplicity of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know that true Christians ultimately do not fall away from Christ. True Christians are not led astray. Ultimately, they are safe and secure in the hands of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, one way or the other, the Lord will bring them back. And in this Mm -hmm. case, the writings of the Apostle Paul had a marked impact on this uh, community. So Mm -hmm. let's just read his warning right right there, okay? go ahead. Paul writes, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed.
0: Now, what does that word accursed actually mean? Uh, A lot of people see that, but maybe they'll say, well, God won't give you as many uh, gold stars on your your lapel. Or uh, is there a deep theological meaning for... That word accursed, anathema in really, the Greek. Yeah, it really what what means, does it really
1: mean? Let them be uh, condemned. Let them be con- damned. Condemn, condemned. Condemned to hell.
0: Uh, yeah. I, I saw a good definition of it somewhere. I think it went something along these lines. Uh, con- condemned to damnation by the decree of God or to condemn to hell by the decree of God. Right. Uh, right. So it's about as strong term as you can use to yeah. let them go to hell. Yeah. Basically what it's saying,
1: yeah, let them be condemned. Let them go. Yeah. Uh, the the whole the whole concept behind the apostle Paul's exhortation here is let them go to hell. Mm-hmm. Do not follow them, do not be influenced by them and do not for a minute think about forsaking the gospel that I gave mm-hmm. to you. Let them go. Let them go mm-hmm. to hell. Let them be condemned.
0: Okay, so that's telling us we've got severe, mm-hmm. the severest of of circumstances for going with any gospel other than what the apostles gave us right. in the scripture. Right. So if you okay. depart in any way from that, then you're condemned by the decree of God to go to hell, right. just to, to go to hell. Now I brought this chart up and as you were reading it, everybody at home seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I want everybody to see now is what's on the other side of this chart. Cause I had mentioned initially, as we brought this up to set up the Hebrew roots movement discussion that, uh, the Lord used this chart to touch a French lady, over there in France, watching mm-hmm. you and me in that sixteen-hour video series right. on Roman Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Now, this side of the chart is the one that that the Lord used to convict her and bring her to the Lord. And uh, I'll, I'll just read here, as you see there at home, Acts chapter sixteen, verses thirty through thirty-one. Now, that series was dealing with Roman Catholicism. Now, in Roman Catholicism the question can be asked, what must I do to be saved? And they said, keep the seven sacraments and other decrees of the church ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ and perhaps thou shalt be saved. Mm-hmm. Now, we were putting this chart in all those shows we did back then. So, But it's kind of interesting. But then she got down to where I've got New Testament Christianity. This is what Bible Christianity says, not what Roman Catholicism says, but it says there in Acts 16, 30, and 31, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, okay. end quote. So that seems to be a lot different than what the Roman Catholic gospel is saying. Yeah, over here, you've got to do all these seven sacraments and other decrees and traditions of the Roman Catholic church. But here in the Bible, it just says, believe. On the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. There's, there's no mention of all these other things that are required of you right. uh, to be saved according to the gospel. And as we see in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 there, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Okay. And uh, so, what's exciting is the Lord used that chart to bring a young woman in France without our knowing it, she later came over here by a cargo boat coming mm-hmm. across on a three-week trip over the Atlantic Ocean just to come see us. You would have got to meet her too, but you happened to be sick that, right. that week when she came. But uh, I think this chart is, is perfect, not just for uh, Roman Catholicism, but if the viewers at home look at this chart again, imagine it, instead of it saying Roman Catholicism up there, it's saying the Hebrew Roots Movement. Mm. And what would that? What would Acts sixteen thirty and thirty one say if it was a Hebrew roots movement on this chart instead of Roman Catholicism? It it would say, "What must I do to be saved?" And and they said, "Keep the Old Testament uh, Levitical laws, keep the Sabbath day, uh, wear Jewish clothing, prayer shawls, uh, observe other ordinances uh, ordained by the Old Testament." Uh, the prophets and so forth. So uh, We see a correlation between mm. what the Hebrew Roots Movement would say and what we find clearly on the way of salvation. What must I do to be saved? And they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So with that to set up this show mm. uh, we want to show our viewers why the Hebrew Roots Movement is acting an awful lot like what Paul condemned as you discussed in Galatians mm. chapter one verses six through nine, right. in their case, they only were bringing in from what I could read from the text circumcision you got to be circumcised in order to be saved you don 't find a, you don 't find a big list of a whole bunch of different things you just pretty much just find well just let 's just add circumcision in here and and uh, that 's just a requirement for salvation. Mm. We find from Paul. In fact, this gets Paul very upset and angry. Right. We find that they just add one little thing. Circumcision. Do they talk about all these other things? No, they just, they just kind of add one little thing. Mm. And what happens if they add that one little thing?
1: Paul They're, goes ballistic.
0: And they get cursed to hell. Yeah. They get cursed it's to hell. It's a different gospel. <laughs> by the apostle. As a, 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 another gospel. And they only added one thing. Now, what if you have a religion that just adds all kinds of stuff?
1: That's the danger.
0: For viewers of our video, a very excellent book is being offered here called Ultimate Questions by John Blanchard. That's Dr. John Blanchard. is the founder of Christian Ministries, an internationally known Christian author, teacher, and conference speaker. Nearly 15 million copies of his publications are in print in some 40 languages. Anyway, Dr. Blanchers has written a very useful book for people who want an introduction to Christianity. Health, finance, family, the future, life is full of questions. There are deeper questions too, like who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Does life have any purpose? But the ultimate questions are about God. Does he exist? What is he like? Can I know him and experience his power in my life? And if so, how this booklet tackles these vital questions head on and answers them simply, clearly, and directly. Read it carefully. It could change your life forever. You must repent. This means a complete change regarding sin. There must be a change of mind. You must admit that you are a sinner, a rebel against a holy and loving God. There must be a change of heart genuine sorrow and shame at the vileness and filthiness of your sin. Then you must be willing to forsake it and change the direction of your life. God challenges people to do works befitting repentance. You must do this. God will not forgive any sin you are not willing to forsake. To repent is to go in a new direction, seeking wholeheartedly to live in a way that pleases God. You must have faith in Christ. First of all, this means accepting that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that Christ died for the ungodly. Secondly, it means believing that in His power and love, Christ is able and willing to save you. Thirdly, it means actually putting your trust in Christ, relying upon Him and Him alone, to make you right with God. Your proud, sinful nature will fight against abandoning trust in your own goodness or religion. Yet you have no alternative. You must stop trusting in anything else and trust only in Christ, who is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him. In conclusion, remember this. In John 14:6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And so I'd like to offer this book free of charge to anyone who will write us at Debater at AOL.com. And a free copy of this book, either in digital form or by mail, will be sent to you. We have free newsletters available that will be sent to you free of charge also. If you like our YouTube channel, please subscribe by clicking on the subscribe button and then by also clicking the bell above to get an automatic update whenever we produce another YouTube video for our See Answers TV channel. Please share our videos with your friends and relatives. May God bless you. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. See related videos by tapping or clicking screen.